More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. It is Kelly, your host, and I want to thank you as always for listening to the podcast, downloading, and being a part of the Survivor Sanctuary community. Love you guys, and I love that our community is growing. And this past week, my goodness, we had so many requests for people to join the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And I was pretty amazed and really happy to welcome all of our new members, which I did on the Facebook page. And if you're not a member, I do want to remind you that you can join the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group just by searching Survivor Sanctuary on Facebook. You can put in a request to join and I will add you to the group and you can be a part of things. I love our growing community and we've got some really great people there. And we learn from each other, and I would love to have you join as well. Well, I'm a little bit off my game, I'll say. Kind of tired. Don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but this past week, I spent time in Scotland. I just got back. I mean, we're talking hours ago, and so I'm still recovering from the trip. It was a lot of fun, but the plane ride and the flight delays and all the craziness, that part, not so much fun, so I'm still trying to recover from that. You know, some people are telling me that I shouldn't have jet lag since Scotland is five hours ahead of Eastern Standard Time, and I had to politely disagree because, my goodness, I don't care if it was five hours ahead, so technically I should be getting more sleep when I get back. I am just exhausted. I think it's just being on a plane cramped up and crazy for hours and hours. Um, I'm glad to be free. Glad to be back in the Survivor Sanctuary Studio. And like I had so much fun in Scotland. I absolutely loved it. It was a dream of mine to go for a while. So I'm so grateful that I got to go with my sister and one of my sisters in law and an aunt. We had so much fun. But you know what? They say there's no place like home. And after spending 152 million hours on an airplane, I agree there is no place like home. So I'm glad to be back and I'm glad for today's episode of Survivor Sanctuary. You know, sometimes I will just get hit with something that I become very impassioned about and I'll suddenly just have an entire episode of this podcast playing out in my head. And this episode is one of those. It's born from some frustration, as a lot of episodes tend to be, because there's a lot to be frustrated about when it comes to abuse. But I do want to say that this episode and what we're going to be talking about is not just for survivors of sexual abuse. It is for literally any person who has something in their past that has harmed them, that maybe they haven't been willing to deal with, and that is affecting them in the present I have to say that since I began tackling my own story of abuse and since I began tackling the things in my past that were really deeply affecting my present, I am very passionate about other people doing the same thing. And it's not just some 
arbitrary, like, oh, heal, it's wonderful. Like healing is hard to describe. It's hard to really put into an exact definition what everyone needs to do from their past. I think healing is a very general term. We could get super specific with it. But a lot of us were taught growing up, and some of us may still believe that there's something wrong with delving into the past. Just this last week, I saw a meme on Facebook and it was posted by somebody I love and it drove me absolutely crazy. And I need to find, I actually took a screenshot of it. So just grabbing the cell phone, gonna find a photo of this quote um, just so I can share uh, word for word exactly what it said and why it happened to frustrate me. It said, of course, set to a field of wildflowers, You will only begin to heal when you let go of past hurts, forgive those who have wronged you, and learn to forgive yourself for your mistakes. Now, on the surface, it seems like a lovely quote. And, uh, you know, people were like, yeah, this is true, very true, lots of likes and hearts and all that stuff. But I was just, uh, I was so super frustrated when I saw this because I could not agree with a statement less. Five or six years ago, maybe I would have been like, yeah, that is so true. How profound. But having gone through the process of delving into the past and knowing that I've come out on the other side a way better human being than I was before I went into it, I completely just disagree with this statement. You will only begin to heal when you let go of past hurts. Forgive those who've wronged you and learn to forgive yourself for your mistakes. Okay. You cannot heal by letting go of the past. You let go of the past by healing. And I've said this before on the podcast, and I think I've posted it on the page as well on Facebook. Letting go of the past and moving on is not a prescription for healing. It's a side effect of healing. You don't tell someone who broke their knee to stop limping. You tell them to heal so that they can stop limping. And we have so many people who are basically like Facebook psychologists or Facebook counselors or life coaches, I don't know, who have this idea in their heads that in order to heal, you need to let go of whatever happened to you in the past. And it's so backwards that it absolutely drives me bonkers every time I see it. I don't know why that gets under my skin more than anything else I read in relation to healing from the past, but it just, it drives me nuts. And so this was something that, uh, you know, popped up very recently on my Facebook page, but it's a topic that I've kind of been going through in my head for a while now, and that is the choice to enter the struggle. And by entering the struggle, I mean the choice to turn around and make a beeline straight for whatever trauma from your past is screwing up your present. It seems really counterintuitive. It seems counterintuitive that we would need to turn around and move through something that happened in the past. Like everything in us says, just keep moving forward. And you'll have people who will quote scriptures to you out of context about forgetting the things that are behind and, and pressing on. And I think that's great if you're talking about trying to you know, forget sins you've committed or things that you think that God can't forgive you for. There's a lot in context that that verse has to teach us. But one of the things that verse is not teaching us is to deny everything that happened to us in the past so that we can say that we've moved on from it. That's just not what that scripture is talking about. I'm not a theologian, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I do know that about that scripture. So the choice to enter the struggle. 
if you grew up like I did in an evangelical conservative Christian upbringing, there was probably a lot of negativity surrounding dealing with the past. When I tell you that growing up in a fundamentalist, independent Baptist church, or many of them as a child, when I tell you that psychology was a dirty word, I'm not exaggerating. It was like you can bring up psychology and people immediately are just like, that is you know, new age garbage. And everybody had something to say about it. And it was never anything positive. I'll never forget my first semester of college, I started dating a guy who was a psychology major. Have no idea if he ever went on to be a psychologist. I hope for the mental health of most human beings that he did not. But I remember telling my dad, we we were all eating together like in a Wendy's one day, and he told my dad that his major was psychology. He might as well have told my dad that he was like, an exotic dancer for the reaction that my dad had. He was so disappointed. It was like crestfallen that his daughter was dating a guy who was studying psychology. I'm not sure where our hatred as Christians of psychology came from. I'm not really sure why people were so adamant that you don't need psychology, you only need Jesus. I'm not really sure where exactly that came from. All I know is that it was completely damaging to me as a child because I looked at and everybody that I knew and love looked at facing the past and dealing with past trauma as something that God didn't want us to do, as something that was going to make us weaker as Christians and that meant that we didn't have faith if we decided to delve into something that harmed us in the past. I know now that part of the reason that in my family there was so much negativity surrounding psychology and and facing the past, I realize now it's because the people in my family didn't want to face their pasts because the past was too incredibly painful. So I get that in a sense, but it was all wrapped up in this Christian biblical bow that basically said, if you have Jesus And if you have the assurance that you're going to heaven when you die, the only thing that you need is that assurance and you need nothing else in your life to help you live abundantly. I always feel like there's going to be someone listening, maybe a person that I know, or just maybe a person from the background that I'm talking about, who's going to hear me say that and think, oh my gosh, Kelly just said, you know, she says she's a Christian, but she just told us that we don't only need Jesus, that we need other stuff in addition to Jesus. And that is not what I'm saying from an assurance of salvation standpoint. If that's all that you want for your life, just to know, hey, I'm going to heaven when I die. So if I suffer and am miserable and am of absolutely no no use to anybody because I can't function due to the trauma that I experienced and the effects of that trauma that I continue to experience. If that's good enough for you, just barely functioning because you know you're going to heaven when you die, I guess, you know, go with that. But for me, I know that it was not enough for me. Yes, I have always had that assurance since I was a four-year-old little girl and I asked Jesus into my heart. I remember the exact moment. I remember crying. I remember the emotion of it. And I had a very soft heart and just a childlike faith. And I knew that I wanted to belong to Jesus. And I knew that I wanted to be a Christian. And I knew that I wanted to go to heaven when I died. And that's something that 
you know, over the years, a lot of the things that I have been taught and that I've believed, I've questioned. But one thing I don't question is that. And if your faith is not in Jesus, if you're not a Christian, you know, maybe you're not going to understand where I'm coming from, but I'm talking about my personal experience. That's what it was. Like, Jesus is the only way. And with him, I'm going to heaven when I die, and he's going to take care of me and love me, and we, we all live happily ever after. Fast forward to my 30s. When I realized that despite that belief, my life is an absolute disaster, despite my firm belief that Jesus is all I need and that everything is going to work out beautifully, my life was a crap hole. <laughs> like I can't describe it any other way. And I, I almost hate saying that because I, I had a lot to be grateful for. I had a lot to be thankful for. But if I can just say that emotionally and mentally with my mental health and with my physical health and with just the way my life was headed, the direction it was going or not going as it were, something was missing. It wasn't the assurance that I was going to go to heaven when I died. I had that. What I didn't have was an answer for why, despite my fierce faith and my unwavering belief in the gospel, that things still sucked. And it wasn't until I made the choice to enter the struggle. It wasn't until I made the choice to turn around and say, that thing that happened back there, all that stuff that happened back there, that I've been moving away from or trying to move away from my whole life, there are some answers back there. There are some things I need to work through. And I'm not going to deny them anymore because by denying them, I'm making myself sick. I'm living a life that is as far from abundant as possible. You know, people would quote that scripture and say, Jesus came that, that they may have life and have it more abundantly, like more life than you ever expected. And I'm looking at mine and I'm thinking, I believe in this Jesus. I believe in all those scriptures. I'm not questioning any of that, but why don't I have that abundant life? And why can't I tell anybody else? Yes, if you just have Jesus, everything's going to be fine. I believed it. I would tell people that, but my reality was not lining up with that belief. Am I saying that I think that Jesus was not sufficient? That's not what I'm saying at all. I believe that if I were to have died right then, I would go to heaven. I would be with Jesus for eternity. Everything would be fine. And that's great. But God created us to have life and to have life more abundantly. And since I was living a crap fest of a life that was about as far from abundant as you could possibly get, I needed answers. And I completely a thousand percent believe that God gave me those answers. I've said in previous podcasts when telling my story that I just came to a breaking point where I absolutely could not go any longer. I could not handle my life. I had no answers and I didn't know what to do. I just knew that I was miserable. And I asked God for help. And, you know, he didn't audibly like say, okay, here's what you need to do. But doors started opening in my life right then when I just was like, all right, I've had enough. I'm at a breaking point. I have no answers. I need help. Please help me. And the doors that started opening in my life and the answers that I started getting at that point when I cried out to God for them were answers that I had been told my whole life were the wrong ones. Solutions to the problems that I was facing that I was told were the wrong solutions. I had been told my whole life by people I loved, by people who, you know, preached to me on Sundays, 
by Sunday school teachers and Bible teachers, all these people, I had been told my whole life that you just leave the past in the past and you move forward and you don't delve into things that happened before. You don't have to bring up any painful things from your past because all that is hogwash and it's anti-Christian and anti-scripture and all you need is to love Jesus and everything's going to be fine. And I wonder why people don't put that same simplistic view on everything in life. Like you have Jesus, so you don't need to eat today. You have Jesus, so you don't need to brush your teeth. Why do you need to go to school? You have Jesus. Like, why do you even go to school? Like, what's the point? Because you're going to heaven when you die. So why do you need to learn math? Like, it is crazy to me. Drives me nuts. A lot of things that I'm going to talk about in this episode are things that drive me nuts. So just mentally prepare yourself. But it would drive me nuts to hear people say that because you have Jesus, you don't need X, Y, Z. Because you have Jesus, you don't need to deal with a deeply embedded trauma that has literally destroyed your life. That because you have Jesus, you don't need to look at anything that happened to you through any lens, but this doesn't matter because I'm saved. And it took some deconstructing for me to get away from those thoughts, but I had to get away from those thoughts. And I will tell you that having gotten away from the thought that you don't need to worry about anything that happened to you in the past because Jesus is Lord, like the things that I've learned have actually made me much closer to the Lord, not farther away. They've actually helped me to understand the abundant life that scripture talks about more than I understood back when I was denying that there was any reason to face my past. So one of the books that I first read when I began to tackle healing from sexual abuse was Dan Allender's book, Healing the Wounded Heart. I love what he says about Christians and their reluctance to face the past because it is just completely on point. But one of the first quotes I want to share with you is in the prologue for the book. Dan Allender says, The first great enemy to lasting change is the propensity to turn our eyes away from the wound and pretend things are fine. The work of restoration cannot begin until a problem is fully faced. And when I read that quote, I thought Dan Allender has met my entire family, everybody that I went to church with, everyone who taught me in Bible college and in Bible school, and on Sundays from the pulpit, like he knows all these people because he's literally talking about my life. We ignore the wounds and we pretend everything is fine because we have Jesus. Therefore, looking at wounds is somehow sinful. It sounds kind of crazy when I say it like that, but that's literally how I was taught growing up. If you're saved, there are no wounds. I'm going to quote Dan Allender a couple of times here because I love just what he says on this exact topic. And honestly, out of the entire book, this part of the book, which was pretty close in the beginning, was something that I actually learned the most from out of the entire book. And it was just the permission to face problems, the permission to face a past that was filled with trauma and that was affecting my present. So Allender says, The first great enemy to lasting change is the propensity to turn our eyes away from the wound and pretend things are fine. So Dan Allender says, there's a natural reluctance to face the problem. 
Christians seem to despise reality. We tend to be squeamish when looking at the destructive effects of sin. It's unpleasant to face the consequences of sin, our own and others. To do so seems to discount the finished and sufficient work of our Savior. And so we pretend we're fine when, in fact, we know that something is troubling our soul. A dull ache occasionally floats to the surface, or stalking memories return in dreams or in odd thoughts during the day. But why bother about such strange feelings when our salvation is guaranteed and life's task is clear? Trust and obey. Again, he's right on. It's like he knows everybody that I've ever met in my whole life in a fundamental Baptist church. Like, there is a reluctance to face the problem. We don't want to look at the destructive effects of sin because we want to be able to say, I mean, this is what I'm hypothesizing here. We want to be able to say that if you accept Christ, if you decide to follow Jesus, then boom, everything is fixed in your life. There's no other work that you have to do because he finished the work on the cross. And if we're talking about salvation, if you're a Christian, you understand what I'm saying. If we're talking about salvation and that's it, yes, Jesus finished that work. I have the assurance that I'm going to go to heaven when I die, that I'm going to be there for eternity, and all my problems are going to go away. But why does that mean that here in the, in the present, in the here and now, in the life that God has blessed me with, I get to be one of the people on the planet, and there aren't all that many of us, why does it mean that I can't face the destructive things in my past that are continuing to cause destruction in my present? So I completely agree with Dan Allender when he says that Christians seem to despise reality. But I love his answer to the question of why bother about those strange feelings, the troubles in our soul that we can't seem to get rid of. Why bother with them? And I'll quote him. It's really easier for abused persons to deny the past, ignoring the memories, the pain, and the current struggles that may be related to the abuse. But the reason for entering the struggle is a desire for more, a taste of what life and love could be if freed from the dark memories and deep shame. He goes on to say, to live significantly less than what one was made to be is as severe a betrayal of the soul as the original abuse. And how many of us are walking around living significantly less than we were made to be? Because something happened to us in our past that we've been unwilling or unable to face and to deal with. And when I read quotes and memes like the one I read to you earlier from Facebook about you're not going to heal until you move on from the past, it is so backwards that I just want to kind of tear my hair out and write comments in all caps. I don't do that because I don't want to offend anybody. I, I really don't. But it's just so backwards. You cannot heal by moving on from the past. You can move on from the past by healing. Those are two very, very different things. Opposites, in fact. Because what you're being asked to do in that meme on Facebook, you're being asked to leave the past way back there, to not touch it, to not poke it with a stick, to just get as far away from it as you can, put as much distance between you and the pain of your past as possible. Because that's what you're supposed to do in order to heal. And it's a lie. If that's something that people tell you, if it's something that you've been telling yourself, if it's something that you believe might have some truth to it, I'm here to say it is a lie. I don't know a lot of stuff, but I know this. Moving on from the past 
does not help you heal from the past. I believed for a lot of years that I had moved on from my past. I would have memories just pop into my head, disgusting feelings. I would be triggered all the time. I didn't know what triggers were. I just knew I would get these awful, disgusting feelings about certain sounds and smells and feelings. And I didn't know why, but I always just kept moving forward. The past doesn't matter. Everything I need to know is in front of me. So I thought I was leaving all of this trauma in the past. I thought that it was way behind me getting smaller and smaller. I never had to look at it. But here's what you do when you turn your back on the past without unpacking it, without moving through it. You turn your back on it and you start moving forward. But what you realize months later, years later, decades later, you realize that your back is to the trauma, but it's strapped to your back. So you're carrying it with you wherever you go. You do not heal by moving on from the past. You heal by being brave enough to move into the past so you can get through it. It's counterintuitive. Yes, I completely agree a thousand percent. Six, seven years ago, I would have been there posting the memes, maybe not posting them, but definitely agreeing with them. Yeah, just, you know what? Leave the past in the past. It doesn't matter anymore. The problem is if the past is absolutely destroying your life and making it a giant crap hole in the present, the choice to just move on and to leave it back there is just a choice to strap it to your back and carry it for the rest of your life. Your back's to it. You can't see it. It's like wearing a backpack. You can't see it, but you know based on its weight that it's there. You know based on how it makes your shoulders hurt or your back ache or it makes you tired faster than if you were walking by yourself. You know it's there because you feel its effects. And it's the same thing with trying to escape the pain of the past by turning our back on it and forgetting about it. It doesn't work that way. Your body remembers what happens to you Your brain remembers what happens to you. You're deeply affected by trauma in your past. And I said at the beginning of this podcast that I'm not just talking about the trauma of sexual abuse. There are so many adverse experiences that we have as as children, as infants, as children, as young adults, even as adults. There are so many things that can happen to us that can absolutely wreak havoc on our lives. So maybe for you, it's not sexual abuse, or maybe in addition to sexual abuse, it's something else. Maybe a parent abandoned you. I know so many people who are broken, completely broken people because they were abandoned by their parents, abandoned by a father who couldn't be bothered, abandoned by a mother who thought drinking alcohol was more important than taking care of her kids, people who have been neglected, abused, abandoned. There are so many ways that we can be traumatized. And I'm passionate about it because I've known so many people in my life who have had levels of trauma that I can't even begin to fathom. And I'm saying this as a person who's experienced quite a bit of it myself. And every time one of those people decided that they were just going to tamp down all those feelings, they were going to tamp down all those memories, just stuff it down in the basement, put it under lock and key. Every time one of those people decided to do that, I watched the negative effects take root in their life and in mine. And I got to feel a lot of the negative effects of other people making the decision not to deal with their past. And their decision not to deal with the past, not to enter that struggle of fully facing a problem, their decision to do that hurt not only them, but the people around them. So now I definitely champion this cause of facing the past 
of entering the struggle of making a decision that, you know what, I don't care if I don't want to feel pain. I don't care if I don't want to feel hurt. I don't care how hard it is or how slow the process is. I don't care how long it takes. I am going to deal with this so that it can start to heal in my life. Because the things that we don't heal from, we just carry it around. We carry those open wounds around and we let them fester. So again, to quote Dan Allender, the reason for entering the struggle is a desire for more, a taste of what life and love could be if freed from the dark memories and deep shame. When I entered the struggle, when I made that decision, like I'm going to face this, I'm going to face the things in my past that hurt me. And it wasn't just sexual abuse. There was a lot of trauma in my childhood. Some of it related to sexual abuse, some physical, some emotional, like there was a lot of stuff in my past that I've had to face. A lot of those things made dealing with the sexual abuse even more difficult. But I made the choice to do it because I knew that the way that I was doing things was not working. Every relationship that I tried to have was completely destroyed. I didn't know how to love people. I didn't know how to let people love me. And it was super easy for me to just say, oh, well, just haven't met the right person. Oh, well, this is just whatever. I mean, this painful thing has happened, but oh, well, you know, I'm not the problem. Like it was so easy for me to do that in order to avoid pain, but I was living the opposite of an abundant life while I was denying that there was anything in my past that needed to be fixed. So when I meet people, when I talk to people, people in in complete strangers or people that I've known my entire life, I am not as passionate about anything else as much as I am passionate about this, and that is facing the past. I forget the author who said the best way out is always through but it definitely applies to dealing with a past that has caused damage that continues to affect you in the present. I said at the beginning of the podcast that I grew up where psychology was basically considered like witchcraft. (laughs) Like it was just, you were not a Christian if you thought you needed psychology for anything. And I personally suffered because of that belief. I suffered because there were people in my life who believed 100% they didn't need to deal with their crap. And so everybody around them got to deal with their crap. It didn't come out in the office of a psychologist. It didn't come out in tears and pain. It didn't come out in the brokenness of having been betrayed as little children. Instead, it came out in anger. Instead, it came out in violence. Instead, it came out in ways that were terrorizing for a child to deal with. I don't want to shame people who have not been able to find healing from something that happened in their past, or I should say people who have not had the strength to face the painful things that have happened in their past. It's not my intention to, to heap shame on you or to say that if you have not delved into your past and you haven't dealt with it, then you're hurting other people and you should feel terrible. Like that's not my point at all. I've been in that exact same boat. I've hurt people who love me because I had no idea that I had wounds festering from when I was a small child that were still affecting me. So I'm not saying this to in any way shame you or say, you need to heal so that everybody else can feel better. I will say first and foremost, you should face the past because it is going to help you so much in your present and in your future. It is going to make your life so much closer to those promises of the abundant life 
that we were created to live. It's not your fault that you were broken. It's not. It isn't your fault that your father left you when you were a kid. It isn't your fault that your mother could never talk about her feelings and wouldn't let you talk about yours. And so you grew up cold and unable to develop relationships or friendships. It's not your fault that somebody decided to sexually abuse you and destroy your innocence and leave you with these deep scars that make it difficult for you to have relationships, maintain relationships, to love other people, to love yourself. It's not fair. It's one of the reasons that abuse makes me so incredibly infuriated. It isn't fair that somebody can do something to you that is going to make your life a living hell for decades to come. And in a lot of cases, until the day you die, it's not fair. We shouldn't have to heal. We shouldn't have to have things in our past that we need to turn around and face or that we need to work through like deep layers of pain. None of us should have to deal with that. It's not fair. And I would never blame you for it because it's not your fault. But to say that there's nothing that you can do about it, except leave it in the past and move on, that there's no way that you can fix any of it to say that and to decide that. As Dan Allender says in his book, The Wounded Heart, it's as severe a betrayal of the soul as the original abuse or as the original trauma, whatever it is that you've experienced in your life that causes you to struggle in your present. The reason for entering this struggle is a desire for more, a taste of what life and love could be if freed from the dark memories and deep shame of the past. And I think that the reason that those quotes from Dan Allender had such a profound effect on my healing and helping me to begin to deal with the past, the reason they had such a profound effect on me was because he was essentially speaking to exactly what I had been doing my whole life and what I had been taught by other Christians that I should be doing, which was just move on. You don't need to deal with anything. Jesus is Lord, and he doesn't want you fiddling around with any pain from your past. He saved you. It's over and it's done. You don't tell somebody who needs to have a cavity filled that what Jesus did for them means they don't need to have their cavity filled. But we're totally okay with telling people that because Jesus died on the cross, none of us are going to have to do any work on ourselves. It's just, it's not reality. It isn't reality. It's not life. It's not, unfortunately, life in a fallen world. If the world was a perfect place, I would say yes. It's very true. Sin didn't exist. Go for it. You just forget everything that's behind you because it's all going to be happy anyway. And the future will be as well, but it's not the reality in which we live. And I believe that the greatest gift that I have been given outside of my salvation is the knowledge that I now have of how certain things in my past screwed me up. And that may not seem like a huge gift to you, but when it helps me be able to navigate the pain and the shame and the triggers and the struggles, it helps me to navigate them and to understand them more so that I can heal, so that every day I can get better, so that I can get closer and closer to living an abundant life. That is a huge gift to me. It's tough when you're doing a podcast like this to use personal examples because I I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to offend anybody. And that's definitely not my intent. But I do want to share just something personal that I think profoundly affected me as a child that was a direct result of somebody refusing to deal with their past. I reminded an important person in my life of a person that had betrayed them deeply as a child. I looked like this person. I sounded like this person. I laughed like this person. I I talked like this person. Apparently I had a very similar personality 
And so even though I was a tiny child, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, you know, even though I was small, I was a trigger for every evil, vile thing that this person had done. When my laugh was heard, and yes, I have a very loud, obnoxious laugh and people like to make fun of it. But when my laugh was heard, instead of being like celebrated as a joyful child, there was anger that I was faced with, anger that I had to deal with coming from someone. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why my laughter and joy could evoke such anger in somebody else. I didn't understand it. I understand it now. I realize now that I was a reminder of this person who had completely devastated and decimated multiple lives by being abusive, by abandoning, by neglecting, and by not dealing with her own issues that caused her to be that way. And because of one of her victims' inability to face the past, maybe through ignorance, maybe through a fear of the pain it would bring up, maybe because this person had been told by Christians that it was the wrong thing to do, but their refusal to face the past and to face what hurt them and to move through it meant that I got to be a scapegoat for the person who had caused all this pain. It's hard to explain when I can't go into specific detail, but suffice it to say that some of the deepest wounds from my past are not only sexual abuse, but their wounds inflicted by people who refused to deal with their past. Your refusal to deal with your past, your refusal to face the things that have happened to you is always going to be damaging to you. First and foremost, you're hurting yourself, but you are always going to hurt other people as well. Whether it's lashing out in anger at people who trigger you because they remind you of something in your past that was painful, whether it's an inability to love people, uh, to let people love you, whether you're sabotaging every relationship that you ever have because you were abandoned as a child and you don't want to be abandoned as an adult, whether you're reaching for substances, alcohol, drugs, pills, anything that can numb those memories because you roll your eyes at psychology. You roll your eyes and scoff at the idea of sitting and talking to somebody about your feelings. So instead of talking to somebody about your feelings, instead of being courageous to face those things that have caused you so much harm, you medicate yourself with alcohol. You medicate yourself with pills. You medicate yourself with pornography. You medicate yourself with casual sex, cheating, adultery, whatever it might be. Moving on from the past, putting it behind you instead of dealing with it, is never not going to have negative consequences. When we ignore wounds and just hope that they go away, they don't just go away. The infection festers. It spreads. It causes pain and sickness in other areas of your life. It always does. Because the only way for those wounds to start healing is for you to face them and deal with them. I'm not here to tell you that it's easy. I'm not here to tell you that it's going to be simple to think about things that have caused you harm, to think about things that were so painful that you needed to bury them in the first place. I'm not here to tell you it's easy. It's not. It takes a lot of courage to say, you know what? This sucks. It's not fair that I have to do it. It's not fair that somebody hurt me to the point where it is deeply affecting my life and my relationships. It's not fair. I'm right there with you. I am there screaming and crying with you and throwing a tantrum on the floor that it's not fair because it isn't. And that's just the reality. But it can be not fair 
and you can work on healing or it can be not fair and you can try and bury it and destroy your life with all of the things that you're trying so desperately to use so that you don't have to face the pain of your deepest wounds. It is a really courageous move to face the struggle. It's a really courageous move to even start to think about trying to face the struggle. It's not easy, but it's the only way out. It's the only way to take that backpack filled with the pain of your past off your shoulders, turn around, set it down on the ground, and unpack it so you don't have to carry the weight of it anymore. There are people in my life who I love so much, people I care about so much, who I can literally see destroying the things that are most important to them because they are so terrified to face what's inside of them. I want to beg people. I literally want to get down on my knees and just beg. Face the problem. Face it. Heal so that you can live the life you were created to live. A life that's abundant. A life where you don't have to drink or take pills to get through every day. A life where you don't have to push people away who love you and want to care about you. A life where you're not a complete and utter slave to your past. And when you refuse to face it, you will always be a slave to it. It's the unfortunate reality. It's, it's the meme that nobody wants to post on Facebook. You can't put those pretty pink wildflowers and say stuff like that. It's not going to sell. You know, what sells is just leave the past in the past and don't think about it. Obviously, that's the answer. Then you don't have to deal with any of the pain. But the truth is you're dealing with more pain by ignoring it. You're dealing with more suffering by ignoring it than if you would just turn around and face it. It is so much scarier when you try to bury it. It seems big and scary and terrifying. When you actually make that courageous decision to face it, you'll find that some of that pain, some of the things you were terrified of, that's really not as terrifying as you thought it was going to be. Talking about your feelings or trying to work through some past trauma, admitting that a parent hurt you when you'd prefer to say, yeah, my parents were great. (laughs) Sure, my dad left and I was without him for years, but you know what? I had a good life. Like, instead of the denial, facing the truth of the past with courage, it's hard. It's not easy, but I will tell you that your life will change. It'll, it'll change completely. Mine has. I still have a lot of healing that I need to do. So I'm preaching a little bit to the choir here. Like, I'm talking to myself right now that there's still some healing in my life that I need to work on. There are still some things that I need to deal with and to work through, and I haven't arrived at some perfect place of healing, but I will tell you this, I would never, ever, ever go back to the person that I was before I admitted that there was a problem and before I decided to face what hurt me. Was it hard to face it? Yes. Was it harder to live my life trying to bury it? Yes. It was so much harder. The thing that you're fighting, if you're one of those people that fights and refuses, like I refuse to talk about my feelings, I refuse to deal with this past pain, I refuse to have anything to do with it, I'm just moving on, and you know, so what if I have to drink to get through a day? So what if I treat my wife and kids like garbage? So what if I can't let anybody love me? At least I don't have to deal with the past. Let me tell you right now, not dealing with it was so, so, so much worse than dealing with it. Would not go back to that person. 
blissfully ignorant of the fact that the past was affecting my present. I would not go back to being that person for all the money in the world. I wouldn't do it. I want an abundant life. I want a life that's free from the darkness and pain of the past. But being free is not about turning your back to the past and moving on. It's about being willing to move through it. So if you need to talk to somebody, if you need to set up an appointment to see somebody to say, hey, this is the struggle I'm having, maybe you can help me. If you need ideas of how you can find healing, I know that we can help you on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. We can offer suggestions. I mean, the obvious is therapy, but there are so many ways that you can begin to face your past and the things that have happened to you and you can begin to heal and you can begin to allow yourself to be the person that you were created to be, a person not weighed down, not by the weight of the things that happened to you, because honestly, some of that stuff might weigh on you forever. I read a quote recently, and I don't know who it was by, but it said, some things in life cannot be fixed. They can only be carried. And I think that for survivors of abuse, that's true. For survivors of any kind of trauma, honestly, are you ever completely going to be able to to be 100% fixed from it and not have any pain? I don't think so. Some things in life can't be fixed. They can only be carried. But the weight that you're going to be freeing yourself from is the weight of trying to pretend the pain isn't there. The weight of trying to act as though there's no wound that needs to be dealt with. That is a burden that is so much heavier than the burden of the pain itself. So let's deal with it. Let's face it head on and move into a life where we're no longer a slave to everything that's happened to us. And as long as we have to keep it buried, as long as we have to be the gatekeepers of all that pain, if you got to keep it under lock and key, pressing it down, 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 you're always going to be a slave to it because you can't let your guard down for a second. Trust me when I say dealing with it is 10,000 times easier than trying to avoid it. So yeah, if I sound like I'm begging, <laughs> then I am. I've, I've seen, guys, I've seen too many people. I've watched too many people live their lives refusing to deal with the past. And there is so much destruction in their wake. There is so much devastation. And I'm not being melodramatic when I say that. They can't love the people they're married to. They can't be faithful to the people they're married to. They can't be there for their kids because they're too busy drinking themselves into a stupor. Just harmful things just so they cannot have to face the reality of what they experienced that broke them. I just don't want to see it anymore. I've seen too much. I've seen too many people being controlled by their past for their whole lives because they thought it would hurt too much to just turn around and look at it, face it, admit what it is, what it was, and how much it hurt. And I just, I don't want that for you. You were made for more than that. You were made for an abundant life. And that's what I want for you. You were broken by things in your past, but don't let those things continue to break you and the people around you for the rest of your life. There's more. And that more is why we make the choice to enter the struggle. So that is today's episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I want to encourage you again to join our Facebook group. 
we really get like down. I don't want to say down and dirty. That doesn't sound good, but we just get kind of right to the point of things. People can just be real and vulnerable. You can post stuff and nobody's going to shame you. Everybody's going to be there for you. And you can talk about things without worrying about trolls coming along and, you know, making fun of you or saying something horrible to you. You don't have to worry about that. It's a safe place where people can just be there for each other. And so if you've had trouble kind of wrapping your brain around how to just start facing something in your past, we're there for you. If you would just want to vent about it, you want some suggestions, great. If you just want to talk, great. We're there for you and we'd love to have you. So join the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. Just search Survivor Sanctuary on Facebook and put in a request to join. I will add you and you can be a part of the crew. Well, I am going to go and sleep off some of this jet lag and I will catch you back here on the next episode of Survivor Sanctuary. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.